Hey everybody, this is Eric Krasno and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank all the guests that have been on the show, everyone that's out there listening and sharing the show with all your friends. I've been getting tons of great feedback. Last week we had the great Pete Shapiro on the show and had a really great conversation with him. Got a lot of feedback from a lot of people on that episode. So I want to thank everybody that's been tuning in. And I want to thank Osiris Media, who helps me produce this podcast and edit this podcast and get it out to the world. You can check out all of their other content at OsirisPod.com. As you probably know, the West Coast is burning up and there's fires all over the place. If you walk out of my door right now, it smells like you're in a campfire. And I uh, just want to tell everybody to stay safe out there and give a shout out to the firefighters and all the people that are risking their lives to keep us safe. So many crazy things happening in the world right now, but obviously we have to stay positive and do what we can to try to make change. Right now, there's so many reminders around us to respect each other, respect the earth. And I think this time period is actually going to be known in history as a time where the human race actually changed and made a lot of positive advancements. It's hard to turn away from the news right now with so much going on, but I'm trying to find a lot of time to read and listen to records and listen to music. And I've been actually finding a lot of new music to listen to, whether it's old records that I had never found before, which I love because I love diving into a record that's from an era that I'm familiar with because I love how old records sound. Um, but maybe songs or an artist that I'm not as well versed in. Uh, so I've been going through old records and, you know, for so many years I collected records and there was a lot that I hadn't listened to. So I'm going through a lot of those old records, but I'm also listening to a lot of new music. And uh, the artist that I have on the show today is someone who really kind of marries those two worlds because she's so soulful and such a great songwriter, but has, you know, crafted her skill in this new era of like self-production and self-promotion. And she's really built her career by herself. Uh, she has management now, but I've known her for probably three or four years. And she writes her own music. She creates her own videos. She produces her own music. And it's been really, really great to watch her evolve as an artist. And as an artist myself that came up in a different time, I try to absorb as much as I can from an artist like Victoria because being a self-made artist now is kind of the only way. When I came up having a machine behind you and having a record label, that was really valuable and that was something that helped you build your career. But now, you know, for the most part, you have to be self-sufficient as an artist. And she's been able to really carve out this lane for herself and uh, really like put her personality in the music. And she's not just a singer, you know, you, you learn about her and you learn about her personality by watching her social media and listening to her music. And as you'll learn in the interview, uh, she was born without her right hand and she absolutely does not let this define her and she has never ever let this keep her from doing anything. She plays piano, she writes her songs, she produces, she does everything as good or better 
than any other artist I've ever known. And I really, really admire that about her, that she has not let anything keep her from what she wants to do. Victoria is one of those artists that has a voice, a sound, and a personality that stops you dead in your tracks, and you have to pay attention. The first two times that I saw her perform, she opened for friends of mine, actually, great other artists, and both times, People were kind of milling around and talking and drinking and whatever. And as soon as she started singing, it was completely quiet in the room. And by the end of her show, standing ovations and she had like true fans and a crowd at the merch table, she really is able to turn you into a fan pretty much instantly. We talk a little bit about that and her unique ability to become intimate friends with everybody in the room. We also talk about her new EP, which recently dropped called Victoria. But before we get into the interview, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, let's get into it. She's an amazing songwriter. She's a great producer. Her album just dropped. One of my favorite singers, one of my favorite people, Today's Plus One, Victoria Canal. We have my good friend Victoria Canal here on the show, and uh, we've been talking beforehand, as you can probably tell. And she's somebody that I've actually known now, well, it was your birthday recently, like a week or two ago? Yeah. And, I, and you turned 22 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and I met you, you were 18. Am I right? No way. Maybe 17. (gasps) Yeah, that's what made me trip out. Because, like, I remember you definitely were 18, maybe younger. Yeah, 18. Yeah. I was a freshman in college. Yeah. And I remember Amy Birnbaum from Round Round Hill. Shout out to Amy Birnbaum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sent me a video of you. And I watched it, like, 50 times because I was so blown away by it. Uh, and it was you doing that So Far Sounds video. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, saying Not Afraid. Yeah, Not Afraid. Which that And there's something about that that just, like, made me so emotional, you know? Um, and every time I've seen you perform, I, that's what I experience, but I also love watching new people experience that. And you've you've seen me see you a bunch of times (laughs) right and I always I I always love watching a new audience experience you Um, I remember seeing you at the Brooklyn Bowl open for Lawrence which is also a group that I've worked with quite a bit and uh, watching the because no one in that crowd really knew you at that point and watching you take hold of them was an incredible experience. And I, I know that people around me were crying. You make people cry, <laughs> Victoria. Okay? <laughs> That's funny. And then I watched that happen when you opened for Emily King at the Apollo. And I watched it happen in L.A. I watched, Actually, in L.A., that show, people were there for you knew, and knew you and, and knew your songs at that point. So anyway, what I'm trying to get to is it's been really cool for me um, on the sideline, to a certain degree, watch your evolution, but also watch you like win these people over in, in a way that I really haven't seen a lot of other musicians do. 
Um, and do you do you feel that? Do you feel that progression? Because like I know for in particular the Brooklyn Bowl show, you came out in the beginning and everyone was kind of talking and whatever, and then you just like reeled them into by the and by the end they were just like completely in. Is that something you think <laughs> about that's happening, or is that just? Do you even know um, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I I don't know. I feel like um. It's definitely not like a conscious choice. I just think I have so much fun when I'm playing music and I feel so in my element. And like, it's really natural for people to be drawn to uh, an energy field that just like feels like acceptance and feels like adventure and fun and, and, um, and like m- meaningfulness or depth. And, and I don't know. I just feel like I, uh, really honestly, uh, tap into that energy when I get on stage and so when when somebody comes along for the ride and like uh, um, wants to be part of it I, I'm so excited that they want to be a part of it I welcome them in with open arms you know mm-hmm. in, a, in a figurative sense and I feel like that's why it works and, and then we just I just feel like we're all hanging out as friends as like woo uh, woo as that sounds like I just feel like it's a big circle of of trust and and then it really has like almost nothing to do with me it's just kind of being in awe of this greater sort of like magic at play and and the the potential that there is to to feel a connection in in the room so I just I just feel like I'm as much witness to what can happen between me and the audience as as they are witness to my performance you know, that is a really good way of, of breaking it down because I think that's really true. We're all there together kind of witnessing something and we feel like we're part of it with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and I feel like part of something too, you know? Right. Right. That's what's so special. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, I also feel like <laughs> there's times when you do something that you don't realize that you can do and you get excited about it too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel excited. I'm like, oh, she nailed that. And you're like, oh my gosh, she nailed that. I mean, me, I nailed that. You know, because you go for things. I think it goes back to, I mean, the song that drew me in to you was called Not Afraid. And I think that's a theme in all of this is that, to be totally honest, um, what um, when I see you perform, it makes me learn a little bit about myself too, is that I get... I, I love playing my guitar and being in it, but I don't necessarily share all of myself with the audience the way you do. And I think that's mm. something um, to take away from your performance is that you completely put it all out there. In fact, you say some things during your show. Like I know you've talked a lot about your family. You talked about your grandfather having dementia, right? I remember mm-hmm. there's a song There's a song that you break down uh, what's going on what, or, you know, yeah. break down the story of the song. And a lot of people might have feel uncomfortable sharing that with an audience, but you do it in a way that really just makes people more engaged and want to and know mm-hmm. what's going on behind the song. I think that's something that's really important about you as an artist is you are drawing people into your own vulnerability, you know, and because mm-hmm. everybody is like that in real life. You know, no one is as tough as they might seem, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's so true. And I feel like it really when you, when you're saying all of these, like 
paying all of these compliments to me. I feel so flattered, but at the same time, I don't, I don't feel like my greatest strength is the music by any means. I, I feel so much more confident in my ability to share a vulnerable, vulnerable space with people. And, and fortunately for me, I feel like whatever I feel I'm lacking in, in a musical sense, like I'm not a great piano soloist and like, I'm not going to belt like another singer may be able to, but I do feel super confident in, um, in the space and, and like, and being able to really be in tune with, with another person, you know? And, um, yeah, so it's really interesting that you compliment me in these ways musically, because I, I, I wouldn't ever say that those are my greatest strengths. Right. So that's why I'm, it's like really interesting for me to kind of pursue this artistry as a lifestyle because um, I, I feel like my 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 vocation has so much more to do with my relationship with people and and my love for people than it than it does to uh, the music. Right. And right. maybe that's that's kind of a, a an unpopular thing to say, but yeah, that's the truth. Well, I felt that right away when you and I got in the studio, because I think we got together and we were intending on working on a song, but we pretty much just hung out, right? <laughs> yeah, which is my favorite <laughs> way to make music. <laughs> and I think eventually we did make music, but and I think that is an important piece to uh, me as a producer and a writer and, and people that know me know that like, I'm not somebody you're just going to like get in and the first day and like churn out four songs. Like we're going to, I need to like get to know what you're about. I need to know what you want to say. It, it can't, it's not just churn songs out. And I think like eventually we did write a song, but it had to be about something important. Right. Mm, um, mm -hmm. And I remember it was like after we'd gone out to that set SNL, wasn't it? Wasn't it the night that we went and saw the SNL party after party? We saw Anderson Dude, Pack. Yeah. Like we none of us slept. It was and me, you, and James. And then the next morning, after like two hours of sleep, we like wrote that song. Oh my gosh, it's so true. That was like one of the coolest nights of my life, and it was just a totally a low key night for you. Like we went to this <laughs> SNL after party and literally stood on the stage as Anderson Pack was like yeah. soloing on the drums and stuff, and we were right behind his kit, and and we met. Uh, who did we meet? It was a famous comedian. I can't remember who it was now. Oh, wait. Who were we with that night? Now was it Chris Rock? Maybe. He might have been there. Yeah. There yeah. was a bunch of people there. <laughs> you were so chill. <laughs> and I was like 18 and just like a total nerd about everything. <laughs> no, I remember getting into the club was that huge ordeal. Remember? Oh, and, yeah. And Maurice Brown, shout out to Maurice Brown, uh, saw us in through that huge, because he was like, just come to the side door. And we come to the side door, and there's literally a thousand people, and it starts raining like harder than it's ever rained. And me, you, and me, you, and James <laughs> are on the, on <laughs> trying to get in with a thousand people at the side door. And Maurice grabs me and you through like 50 people, pulls us in. And then, like, the door opened. Remember the door kept opening, like, yeah. every few minutes, and we'd see James, like, screaming and waving, and we'd be like, him, he's our friend. Anyway, <laughs> we finally got in. That was that was a pretty crazy night, though. So fun. Uh, so fun. Yeah, but anyway, it was something about the next morning waking up. Sometimes, you know, experiences are needed to write songs, is basically what I'm saying. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think sometimes when people just get in a room and they try to, like, churn songs out, that's not, at least that's not the way I work best. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I definitely need to throw myself into something 
a little bit mindlessly and like go on an adventure to really open up the the portal of of creativity you know right, and then right. it's kind of in like that hangover that spiritual hangover mode that i'm that i'm like letting it all or putting order to it all to For feel sure. to like return back to some sense of normal you know okay that was a bit of a tangent but what i was trying to get to was like <laughs> so the way that you are on stage and the way that you are as a performer has to be defined by your past. So I wanted to get a little bit into that. Um, you've lived all over the place. I actually have trouble pinpointing where you're really from when people have yeah, asked me, me too. that. Um, so maybe you, I know you were in Barcelona for a, a long time, right? So mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about your, your childhood and like your parents? So I guess the, the, most broad label that I define myself as is Spanish American, but right. that can also be so many things. So um, I grew up mostly in Spain to a Spanish dad and my mom's from the States. Um, and we moved around a lot because of my, my dad's work. So we ended up being expats in, in uh, several countries throughout Europe and, and Asia um, and the Middle East. And I, I basically grew up moving, starting a new school, starting at a new school every year, uh, having to say goodbye to, to friends that I've made. And, um, you know, with age, it got increasingly more intimidating somehow, uh, to, to move to a new school because, you know, once you're entering the middle school, high school, uh, time, everybody's mean and, and insecure and they don't, they don't know how to empathize with each other because everybody's too too focused on themselves and uh, I was deeply deeply insecure and and uh, felt more um, defined or limited by my uh, disability than than ever because um, I was born without part of my right arm so uh, all the kids looked at me different and I just never really felt uh, like totally included or accepted, especially, uh, towards the adolescence time. Um, and I think that really, well, earlier on, I'd just always been so good at making new friends and, and nobody was a stranger to me. And I feel like there was this period of my life in adolescent hood where I was totally confused by my social, uh, status. I was like, how, how is it so hard to make friends here? That's always been super natural for me. And, um, and so it taught me a lot about like the way that, um, the way that your actions and intentions can really affect others and how if it really makes a difference to be warm towards, towards somebody and to fully accept people for, for who they are and, and, um, and celebrate the beauty and indifference and individuality. And so, uh, during, you know, throughout all this time, I had discovered my love for music really early on because my grandma taught piano. And so I'd been playing, playing and taking lessons throughout all these years. And really when adolescence, uh, hit is when I started to pen things down and sort of put, uh, um, put to paper what I was thinking and feeling and all these confusing sort of experiences and a lot of firsts of like disappointments and self hatred and like all of these, uh, and then overcoming and, and sort of the, the potential of, of friendship and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and yeah, it just was a really formative, uh, time for me because I, 
I increasingly understood what role empathy and compassion play mm-hmm. in, in a person's life and um, the circle of influence that, that we can have, you know, and uh, it really influenced the way that my songwriting took shape. Honestly, even though it was like a, a deeply painful time for me, as I think it is for a lot of kids and teenagers, young adults, I, I do, um, I am grateful for that experience because I don't think I would have had the need to write all of those emotions down and, and put order to them. You know, I think right. I would have just like floated through uh, uh, with the popular girls and I never would have been pushed into my own uh, uh, mind and, and solitude to really understand what what that means to be misunderstood and to be alone. And so now uh, I feel like I can take those, I can pull from those experiences as well as now that I have a much healthier social life and I feel so much more in my own, uh, like uh, comfortable in my own skin, um, I can just pull from all of these different realms of emotion and, and really uh, explore songwriting from all angles at all times, you know? Right. How old were you when you, wrote your first song do you remember yeah i was 11 years old it was a song called uh find a way Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so bad and uh (laughs) has anyone ever had a great first song i I don't think that's possible (laughs) yeah i don't think it's possible you gotta do it shitty at first yeah but um yeah i feel like you gotta do it shitty forever (laughs) you know what i mean like it's you know you gotta have to have shitty songs and then you have great songs that come out of you know, that process. Yeah. Dare to suck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, at that point was like writing that song and, and that time period, was it really therapeutic for you to write and to play? Yeah, it was so therapeutic. And I felt like it was my own thing that I didn't need to rely on anybody else for. Cause I went to the music teacher and I said, Hey, I want to use the piano room. And do you have a recorder? Like a, a, you know, sound recorder. This was before we had like, fo- like iPhones. I didn't have yeah, an iPhone. Yeah. Um, I think I had a Blackberry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I recorded it. I, I recorded my first song sitting at the piano and singing into this zoom recorder. Yeah. And then I, uh, ended up posting it on Facebook and for the first time ever, um, some of those friends that hadn't, or friends, classmates that hadn't really talked to me, commented and said wow you have such a pretty voice or whatever so there was on one hand the really therapeutic release and then me sort of finding the bravery to post it online and and seeing that it made me a a tiny bit more popular (laughs) among the students uh that actually was was a high like motivator for me to publish not only just like create it for my own soothing self-soothing but also um to, to impress people, I guess, you know, which I don't know if that's really a great motivator, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think in some sense, we all feel the need to impress other people. And I always found that music was, uh, like a, a tangible way to, to do that in, in, in a way that still felt like, um, inherently, uh, purposeful and not, not just like, uh, ego driven, you know, it was a little bit of both in, in a balanced, in a balanced way course and i mean i feel like everyone feels that way forever you know um and it's a balance you know but so tell me about learning music i mean obviously without a right hand having to learn piano did you Mm -hmm. have a teacher that was able to teach you did you mostly learn by ear like what was that process like i had a classical uh teacher his name was daniel Mm -hmm. and 
uh, he never, he was a great, great teacher and nice guy, but he never really pushed me to play, to use my right arm when playing. So we were playing like a lot of uh, left hand uh, etudes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then my mom uh, called him up and said, when, when she found out that I wasn't making the effort to, to really play with both, she called him up and said, uh, excuse me, unless you want to get fired, please make an effort to, um, <laughs> to make my daughter work for this because if not, she's just going to be, uh, chilling and, and not disciplined about it. And I was definitely not disciplined. And, um, she, she pushed me to practice every day. And, uh, you know, it, it was only when she essentially required the teacher to, to make me use both, like like my hand and my arm that I actually found some sense of enjoyment in it and then from there I just found it to be a cool challenge especially with sh uh, Chopin pieces and other classical um, composers to be able to do all the jumps that the left hand requires and then all the intricate melody lines that the right hand requires but with essentially the equivalent to one finger right. you know um, and then just throughout the following years, I had a couple of different piano teachers who uh, specialized more in jazz or in accompaniment and um, this, you know, different strands of specialty. And, and I, I, I pulled what I needed for my own songwriting and my own artistry as a, as a singer songwriter, essentially. Right. And then in the year, actually, pretty much since I met you, I've watched your production ability completely evolve and, and change and <laughs> become something really amazing actually. And, uh, I listened to the EP this morning and was completely blown away by it. Even though, you know, I've heard, I've heard all the songs before pretty well. Yeah. I think I'd heard most of the songs, you know, because whenever we see each other, we're like, we do the music, music. Yay. We play each other the music and, uh, yeah, hear what each other's car. doing and you know that, that's always like a fun that's kind of like the most fun thing as a musician is playing other musicians what you're working on it's almost like more it's kind of funny because that actually has more of a rush and then you like put it out and you're like you know it's like a weird virtual thing where you kind of wait for the like but when you're in a room with someone and you get to like bump your new music that's like isn't that kind of the most fun part Dude, totally, totally. <laughs> like when you played me drama, we probably listened to it like five times in in my studio and just like bumped it with like, woo, you know, that's like, that's kind of the most fun thing about music, right? I don't know. For yeah, me it is. Um, but I have to say that I, I prefer playing the demo than the final product in, in the fear that somebody at the end will say, Oh, that was really cool, but I have these like a couple of suggestions, and you're like, uh, I this hate is a that. Final I, no, I hate that when it's mastered and you're not really asking for no. suggestions. You're just like, yo, <laughs> like it. <laughs> yo, say how dope this is. No, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking for feedback right now. Yeah, I, when I'm asking for feedback, it's going to be very clear um, that I'm asking for feedback. Um, Anyway, but yeah, I so I've heard I've heard these tracks and I will say I wouldn't change anything actually, which is oh, a rare thanks. thing for me. Wow. Um, the production is really original and really cool and I know like, you know, as you and I have worked together, that's been an interesting thing because I've da we've dabbled in in well, we, I guess we have produced tracks together, although none of it's really been released, but every time I heard you do something 
I really loved your choices, even though they weren't really necessarily my choices. You know what I mean? And I always was like, you. every time you'd come back to me, you'd have like reached like a new level, you know what I mean, of, of production um, on your own. And I know you worked with some other people too on, on this EP. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I had a co-writer, Martin Luke Brown, and then uh, after we demoed the stuff out together, uh, just for the like last uh, sort of pop finish, we brought it to Matt Zara, and he helped round out like the pop energy of the record. Yeah. Well, the formula was great, and the choices are really great. And um, maybe Thank you can just you. tell me a little bit about the, the writing process you know, with, yeah. with this particular EP. I know you've had, you have, everyone kind of has a different process at, for different songs, but I'm curious how this one came together. It just so happened that early last year, I took part in, a, or I came across an artist residency in Fort Worth. And, um, it was actually meant for visual artists, you know, sculptors and the like. But uh, but I applied and went, and it was uh, essentially I was the only music artist to go, and um, and there were no rules. I had, I just had an apartment in in the middle of Fort Worth and didn't know anybody, and it was this loft, you know. And I and I started writing on my own, but it got to the point where I couldn't uh, coax any more. Uh, juicy information out of myself. I'd pretty much uh, lost the the energy that I needed to to make the most honest stuff that I could. So what I did was uh, I invited a couple of different writers and producers to make their way through Fort Worth around uh, the time that South by Southwest happened last year. So a lot of those writers were already headed to the festival and they just passed through Fort Worth on their way um, either before or after South by. So I ended up spending a couple of weeks straight doing my own version of a writer's camp, but just with one writer at a time and they would sleep on my couch and then we'd, so it'd basically just be a really long sleepover, uh, like two or three nights and we'd, we'd write as much as possible. And Martin was the third writer on it. And for whatever reason, even though I'd written like 20 songs for the, the EP, um, in, within that time uh when i met martin it was my first time meeting him and or actually just my first time sitting down to, to write a song with him we had met once before briefly there was just something about writing drama like straight away that that's the first song that we wrote was the first single off my ep it was so fluid it was so quick and we were so the alchemy between us creatively just made sense and I felt so accepted and so did he. And so there was just this creative, um, uninhibited flow and I loved it so much. And so after three days, we'd written a few songs and I asked him at the end, I was like, I'm, this is an, an impulse, but would you want to be my partner on this record? Do you want to co-write the whole thing? And, produce it together and just kind of hold its hand from start to finish. And he was like, totally dude, I live in London. Um, if you want, we can finish it over there. And I was like, what if even better, we finish it at my uncle's house on the beach in Barcelona. And he was like, uh, yeah, I'm down. 
So we ended up, um, I passed through London a little bit later while on tour and we polished up some of the demos and wrote a couple of other songs that ended up being second and Victoria that are on the EP as well. And then uh, we we flew to Barcelona, and uh, I, I just knew because of the energy and the and the youthfulness of the record, and the sort of brave approach that I wanted to be somewhere that made me feel really invigorated and alive. So um, my my uncle Tio Pepe, shout out Tio Pepe, he has a <laughs> he has a house on the beach and uh, right on the coast, and and. Um, and it's not set up for acoustics at all. Like it, it was actually a really horrible uh, room for acoustics that we recorded in. But it was just such a vibe because the windows were huge and you could look straight out onto the ocean. And um, and we did that. We were there for five days and we finished the record there, all the production for it and that, and that kind of thing. And then I sent it off to mixing and and that's the way that it went. So it was so fun making this record because I feel like it was more extroverted and also... I had so much more of a hand as a producer in it, um, and I found my my voice. I, I really feel like it's the first project where it's my voice. It's my, uh, it's exactly my vision and what I want to say and what I want to do. And that's huge for me because it's taken me um, a long time to to feel brave enough to do that. And now I do. Please stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. I've heard your music before and I've always been impressed by all of it, but I remember when you played me drama and, and all, and all the songs like subsequent, but, but that the moment of hearing that song, I knew that you had found something, you know what I mean? That you, this, this was you. Um, yeah. but it was beyond the songs. It was actually the production too. Cause it's unique. It's, it's like pop, but it's not, you know, it's got these, these dark textures, but it's like, mm-hmm. it feels so good. Um, and the melodies are just so strong and, and I, I mean, you know, I just love everything about it. So I'm really, really excited for you and proud of, of you for creating this, this piece. And it was so awesome to hear the whole thing finally. Uh, today. Awesome. I'm glad you listened to it. And, and I'm glad it. you actually put it out during this time. I know a lot of people are confused during COVID times of like, do I release the stuff? What do I do? Um, but I think it's important for people to have music right now and to put out music um, for a lot yeah, of reasons. Yeah, totally. Uh, what if, so what have you been, what have you been doing during their, during lockdown uh, in the last <laughs> few months? Have you been writing and doing music or going crazy like most people? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, hold on. Just to just to refer back to what you were just saying. Yeah. The reason that I'm putting out the music now yeah. is because I feel like the under the undercurrent theme to the record is bravery and courage and and belief in myself mm-hmm. and self-analysis and so it would actually be for me an active lack of bravery to not put it out during this time and to like hold, keep holding on to it. I think it's one of those projects that I just have to, um, let go and put out into the world and, uh, and be brave enough to know that, that people will resonate with it, you know? So that's the reason for me to not hold it too close. Um, cause if not, it wouldn't be staying true to the mission of the record anyway. 
Right. So, right. yeah. Okay. So now onto the, <clears throat> onto quarantine, <laughs> crazy time, <laughs> Yeah. crazy time. Um, it's been, it's been all right. I honestly, the first few months sucked. Uh, and I was just trying to, cause I was in the middle of the tour. I was in the middle of the second tour of the year. Um, yeah, I remember that. with, uh, yeah, with Leslie Odom Jr. And we yep. had just played, um, um, El Rey yes. in LA and it was sold out and you could hear a pin drop during my set in the best way. I remember we talked right before that show and you were pretty nervous about being yeah. in front of his crowd. And I was like, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. You were right. They loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and man, I loved those two shows. We did LA and Vegas and yeah. then everything shut down. And, and yeah. my dad called me and was like, you got to come home, honey. Yeah. And so I, I got a ticket home and, and now I'm home. It's good that you d got there when you did. Right. Yeah, totally. Cause otherwise yeah, that's what they stuck. were. Yeah. That's what my parents wanted. And, yeah, and I just wanted to be close to them during this time. You know, as as independent as I am and as much as I love being out there, uh, I didn't want to be quarantined in, in an apartment alone in L.A., you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's nice to be home, and I get a little restless sometimes just because I love – I'm itching for the road, you know? Yeah. I, li I, I listen to <laughs> On the Road Again by <laughs> Willie Nelson like every yeah, day because yeah. – yeah, because it's just oh gosh. Anyway, most typical touring love touring song, but yeah, yeah I, I just love um I love being around people, and it's been a challenge not to not to do that for me, uh, and not to feed off people's energy and and meet new people every day. But at the same time, I I feel like I've reached a new level of introspection and and sort of solitude and enjoyment of solitude. I'm really enjoying being alone these days and being quiet with myself. Uh, I'm definitely not writing as as frequently as I normally would be, but but when I do write, I feel like the songs are so special, even if it's just two or three songs a month. You know, mm -hmm. um, I feel so good about the about the new music that I'm writing, and and I'm also producing a lot more, and so that's a major perk. Is is I feel like uh, I've been working on those chops a lot which is good. Uh, I love production. I, I feel more and more that's where I, I dwell, you know, like mm -hmm. in the long term, I, I would really love to, to fully make my own records and help other artists, you know, find their sound and that kind of thing. I'm curious to talk a little bit about influences because I always enjoy our conversations. You're so like beyond your years in a lot of ways that you and I, when you and I are hanging out, I forget there's like a 20 year gap until we start talking about one thing <laughs> which is like influences and there's also like certain uh references that I'll that yeah. you have no idea what I'm talking about for like <laughs> 10 minutes and then like I'll realize it way later but um so I'll be talking about I don't know Led Zeppelin or something or, or I, I don't know I don't maybe that's a bad example but uh it's interesting to hear about your influences you obviously grew up um, in a different era than I. So even though I'm slightly, I am aware of the influences that you have, because also sometimes I feel like 
the influences are once or twice removed from mine, but the same source. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's all soul music. Like, actually, there's a riff you sing, I think, on Victoria at the very end that's like this crazy, mm-hmm. bluesy, like, B.B. King kind of thing. I was wondering, <laughs> I was like, I wonder if she knows that that's B.B. King. It was like, it was like some, like, bluesy. And I was like, I wonder if she knows that from Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera. Christina she totally knows that for Christina Aguilera, who probably heard it from, like, I don't know, Shaka Khan, who heard it from Mahalia Jackson. You know what I mean? It goes down wow. the line. But uh, anyway, I'm curious, like, what were the records that made you go, oh, man, I want to I do this? And be, be honest with me, too. Be honest with me. You know, for, you know one of these answers because he's your friend, and yeah. I always... I'm always acting really embarrassing about it, but John Mayer (laughs) was definitely one of my favorite, you know, artists, if not my favorite artist for a very, for very many years, mostly because my older brother listened to him and we, we used to watch the, uh, where the light is record, uh, like CD live concert DVD all the time, uh, after school. And I just love the subtlety and the band and like the, the different sort of, um, uh, set design and like everything that went into it, it was just such a comprehensive picture of what an artist could be, and also no no fluff. Like you can make really tasteful choices. So I I really loved that mm-hmm. that record a lot. And um, and that's kind of a greatest hits of sorts, right? Or like it's a yeah, collection. totally. Yeah. The thing is, you and I like one of the uh uh what's it called. One of the signifiers, I guess, of your generation is that you grew up listening to CDs and full albums. Yeah. And I grew up listening to playlists, you know? Right. Um, So when you asked me about my influences and like the, the, the records, um, I, I, I distinctly remember picking up certain songs of certain artists like Brandy Carlisle, Uh um, uh, this, the story. I think it's okay. called yeah. like that, that song. I didn't know any of her other music, but I would listen to that song on repeat and try to emulate her uh, vocals. And then I've, I feel like a lot of these answers are going to be kind of embarrassing. Like my next one, Demi Lovato <laughs> was yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> no, it's artists. Cool. This is stuff I'm learning about. <laughs> I mean, I should know about this stuff too, even though we laugh about it. I mean, it's, I could not name a Demi Lovato song. I, that I can tell you that much. So, but, but it's not the new new Demi stuff. I grew up yeah. on like her Don't Forget album. <laughs> the vintage Demi? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into some vintage Demi Lovato real quick. 2012. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, that album wrecked me. There were so okay. many songs on there that um, – that and the, it was the music videos that I would watch on Disney Channel that like that hooked me, you know, and yeah. and uh, sort of her vocal performance and the songwriting, which I later found out was you know quite a few writers and there's a lot that goes into the the Disney you know uh, music, but uh, I watched a lot of of TV as a kid, so I feel like a lot of theme songs like the Friends theme song and the um, OC and One Tree Hill theme song, like Gavin DeGraw sings the the theme song for One Tree Hill, and wow. when I discovered that song, I went down a Gavin DeGraw hole and listened to all of his music and and bought all of his stuff and went to a show and 
I, I was obsessed with him because he played piano and he had this beautiful, soulful voice. And I just loved the lyrics. And so I just went down sort of a singer-songwriter uh, path and um, loved Alicia Keys, would listen to her in the car. Corin Bailey Ray, I, I loved her stuff. Um, yeah, Coldplay. Oh, my God. I remember the first time I had a gig, uh, they they asked me for... I was I was probably twelve, and I, I had emailed a restaurant about being the the musician, like the talent, you know, for yeah. for a night. And uh, they they didn't ask my age or anything because they assumed I was an adult. <laughs> right. And so I show up and I basically cover all Coldplay songs, yeah. like like two hours worth of Coldplay songs, and. Um, I don't know. That's just a distinctive memory. But learning yeah. those chords on piano and and listening to Chris Martin play and and watching his live versions, watching the live shows and how live shows could be different from the recorded version and the beauty of of rearranging things and all this kind of stuff. It just really excited me to be an artist. It wasn't just songs. It was like the artistry and and the vision behind um, behind a. a, a an album as a concept and the music videos and different uh, mediums of art, like animation and, and fashion and all this stuff, you know, uh, it's all really excited me always. And it, it sounds like this, it was somewhat of a solo mission. Like you were, you were finding things um, on TV and in your own searches, but was there like music in your house too, that influenced you? Like, I know you're, you you have a brother who does like visual art and stuff and then your parents were they was did any of your music influence come from that or was it really like you kind of you know searching um, it out on your own Yeah, my parents didn't I didn't really like uh any of the music that my parents liked. Right. They they listened to classical a lot. It was like they're 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 like fancy European people, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they listen to classical music and opera, and they go to the symphony and stuff. Like right. I'm not I I was never I trained classically for the first few years, but I and that's probably what put me off was all those hours of of playing pieces I didn't particularly like. But um, I was always drawn to my brother's uh, taste in music, but mostly, yeah, it was my own thing. I remember distinctly my mom always said that she hated queen and uh as a as an act of rebellion i learned all queen songs and i just loved queen so much and i think it's because she didn't like them at all yeah. uh, but also because they're objectively great on their own but those songs are so good oh yeah you know what Amazing. i mean like they're just anthems and and the production too one- the production, the production on that stuff was next level. They were they next were level. they were like reinventing. They were next wave stuff. Yeah. yeah, they were like way ahead of their time. You know what I mean? So, um, all of that stuff just really excited me. I, I loved to to kind of spend time in my bedroom um, recreating a lot of stuff in GarageBand. And my first uh, SoundCloud post was a cover of Skyfall by Adele, um, another movie, 007, you know. Uh, And I loved it. And so I I heard, I would listen, and obviously I emulated it really poorly because it was my first GarageBand session. Um, But I would listen to like the stereo um, uh, field, you know, and like try to figure out what, what that sound was was it like uh trees blowing in the wind was it leaves rustling and then are those strings and what what is that arrangement of the strings and just trying to play everything by ear and oh yeah referring to the classical training before part of the reason that i that i didn't click uh click with classical music was because i hated reading music i always have um 
so I've always played by ear. It's always been an ear thing. Yeah. Um, I learned theory later on, but yeah. I feel like I'm going on a tangent here. No, no, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Well, what's interesting to me too, also a generational thing, <laughs> is that having access to things like GarageBand from like age 11 or 12 or whatever, you know, your music evolution is like, not only learning your instrument and learning your songwriting, but also at the same time learning how to record it, you know, and actually produce it on your own, which is something in my world came way later later because you had to have access to a studio and you had to have... Mm. So, like, you're the first product of someone who's in my... <laughs> that I'm experiencing that's grown up with access to all these tools, you know, and not only access, but you are digging in digging and learning about all of these tools as you're like developing as a musician and i think that's like very well personified in this project that you've just put out because it's there's musical depth to it but there's also taste to it like it doesn't sound like a 22 year old person produced this music you know what i mean mm. because there's a lot of tasteful choices a lot of younger musicians that i know would use these tools and go and that also has your musical ability would have gone way overboard on everything <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and you i can tell that you you use a little bit of restraint in places and um there's a lot of subtlety uh, in the production mm. in, in the best way so I, was that like a, did you, how did you get there? Did you, did you add a lot of things and strip away or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was definitely a lot of like shitty sounds that we later fixed or took out. You know what I mean? Right, it, right. it was like a, an exploration and sometimes we would go all the way around over here and then end up back right where we began, you know, and it's just worth the exploration. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I definitely think it's a matter of making choices. And uh, actually with the newer stuff that's that's not coming out on the record, I feel like there's even more restraint and I'm, I'm making even more intentional choices. And I, I, that's probably just artistry over time. You know, that's what we're all trying to do is more make more intentional decisions with with the with the pursuit, you know. Um, but I definitely feel most like there was most direction in, in this, uh, on this project. It used to be sort of a thing. It's been a thing for a lot of years for me to go into a session and then come out with a song that could be literally any genre, right. you know, depending on what we were feeling or, or what kick drum, the, the, uh, my co-producer or the, or the producer at the table is messing with it'll it'll completely change the direction of the song and if i don't have a voice to say hey that's not who i am as an artist we come out with like a trap beat over something that just doesn't make any sense to me or we come out with a generic you know adele sounding ballad or uh, a six eight that falls short of gravity or whatever you know so like um or or how does it feel maybe that's a better maybe that's like the you know yeah, yeah. i'm tired you know <laughs> Um, <laughs> Which is D'Angelo. So, the first one was John Mayer, and the next one was D'Angelo. I'm just filling in yeah. here. Just filling in. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think if you're not intentional, there you could. I, which I hadn't been in the past. I, if I didn't have the courage to sort of speak up in a session and say that's not what I want, and this is what I want. Check this out. Then, th then it could just eventually start going down the wrong path and, and end up in in a completely different space you know so 
definitely I was taking a lot of deliberate decisions. And it also was a lot of tweaking, you know. Um, my co-writer, Martin, he specializes in vocal sampling and, and vocoders and stuff like that. And on the song Victoria, he had made, he had previously made a, a keyboard sampled with him singing like on yeah. each note it was like a very boys to men kind of thing yeah and i was messing around with that and then i while he was cooking in the kitchen i was messing around with distortion and then i i put a you know um flanger thing on it and and messed around with some stuff and and that's what became the basis of the chorus of the song you know and uh it's that's just cool. a lot of messing around and then fixing things and going back and changing it and then um but there were moments that i that we had to say goodbye to things that we really liked just because it didn't serve the song you yeah, know that's drama, always hard drama. to do that's always hard yeah to do. definitely definitely that was one of the tricky parts of drama was that we we went so in so many different directions on the drums and the chorus because there was so many ways that you could go and i'm not even sure that we ended up with the with my favorite option but um, we ended up in a, in a healthy place, you know, right. but there were, there were like 15 other ways to go. So eventually you just have to make the choice. And, and the, the problem is, well, actually the, the part of the adventure is, is that it's totally inconsequential, but at the same time, a very important decision, you know, uh, yeah. you, you kind of can't take it too seriously, but at the same time, it's very indicative of who you're going to come across and how you're going to come across as an artist. So those are the stakes. Yeah, I don't think that I can specifically um, put a genre on the music that you're creating. I think, I mean, I guess it's pop music, but what is that? Really? But not quite, right? Like <laughs> Post quite. Malone is pop. Yeah, and I don't think we're related at all. You know, right, right. Uh, I did also notice that you, I'd heard you do the song "Favor" a bunch of times, and then on the record, well, actually, there's two versions. But are you putting out both versions on the album? Yeah, the second version is going to be a hidden track. Ah, well, damn, we just gave it away. Uh, but... <laughs> That's okay. It'll be. When are you putting this podcast up? It'll oh, probably oh, be out. It'll be already out. But I'm After. saying, like, it'll be yeah. a hidden track, but you'll know it's there. <laughs> <laughs> the old hidden track that you know it's there. Um, but I noticed that you put out kind of like a slower version because I'd always heard you do it faster. Mm -hmm. and, but I really liked it because I, you could really hear what you're saying in it. And I think that helped the song, like you're saying. Although yeah, I like it both yeah, exactly. ways. I like it both ways. But uh, that was an interesting choice to put the really slowed down version. Or, and it's just basically you and piano. Yeah, I, I had a, a deep desire to record it just as raw as I'd performed it for so many nights on tour. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'd gradually slowed it down on tour. First, for the first couple of shows, I had a couple of singers out and we sang it a lot like the second version. But then over time, I, I experimented with it and I started the show with with favor which my manager was totally against because he was like you got to go out there and like rock them with the energy you know you're opening the show yeah. and i was like yeah i traditionally yes and that's the that's the common choice but let me just try this and so every night i would come down come out to the stage and sit down just as the opener where nobody knows me i'd sit down at the keyboard and play those first few notes it's actually just one note i just bing bing and it's kind of like a little bell and everybody would turn and, and stop talking and look up at me. And then I, as I started to sing, it was so clear to them 
what my voice sounded like and the heartfelt nature of my performance in the song and just how vulnerable I was prepared to be with them. Yeah. And and that's eventually why I got hooked on that version uh, because it resonated so deeply with the crowd and everybody would ask after the show, do you have that yeah, song that out, song? that yeah. first song? Yeah, so that's how I knew. You know, like when people ask you about a specific song over and over again, yeah, that yeah. you got to put it out. Like, sure. yeah, so I love that that version, but um, I'm definitely also attached to the hidden track <laughs> version. Well, I admire that level of trust to the audience. I, I, my problem sometimes is I never trust the audience. You know, so I'm always like, you gotta, we gotta keep it up tempo and we gotta do this. When like a lot of times when I go to a show, that's what I want to see is what you're doing. Like this, this slow version of the song or like, I want that intimate feeling, but for some reason, yeah. I don't always trust the audience to, to oh, engage man, in that I way. always trust, I always trust the audience. That That's interesting. Maybe that is, that is part of your um ability to draw people in like that because you're trusting them even more yeah you know absolutely i would i would agree with that and also yeah. my top shows my top show experiences seeing other artists have always been that intimate and that raw like my my favorite show that i've ever seen was uh when i was 15 i went to see james vincent mcmorrow he's an incredible singer songwriter um from Can i can't remember where he's from canada maybe yeah and uh and he had he just walked out on stage in a t-shirt and jeans and he had a, a circle of instruments around him like five or six different guitars and a couple of different keyboards and synths and stuff and he just played through his discography basically and nobody made a sound during the whole set except for on his hit song everybody sang along to this one line where he says i remember my first love in this really high voice and everybody was like reaching their arms up and like screaming i remember my first love like to the <laughs> yeah. and then in the, the rest of the time I, I just looked around at everybody in this theater and they were in absolute tears looking up at this guy and and everyone was just so moved and and i knew that that's what i wanted to do yeah. with the music you know so I, I i that's that's one of those really formative shows that i was like this is what i want to do and then i went to you know a katie perry show shortly after and much respect to her but i didn't want to do that show you know right, i didn't right. want the lights i didn't want the dancers i didn't want the outfits like maybe maybe there's sort of a fun balance between so i can reach into the pop space and and do things that are artistic and visceral and aesthetic but then also into this indie introspective songwriter space of um just letting the music speak for itself and tell a story you know well that's the thing is i think you're kind of carving your own version of both of, the, of all of those things you know and, yeah uh, but i look forward to seeing you perform this music and i hope that happens sooner than later obviously um, me too and i hope you get back to la someday <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we can go to uh, Whole Foods together. Or yeah. where is it that we always go? Whole well, Foods? Yeah, Whole Foods. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. my spot. You can always catch me at Whole Foods. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I really, really appreciate you uh, spending the time with me today. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear this music. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. You're such a good friend and, and uh and pops and i love you much yeah i love you much too and everyone out there that's listening it's victoria canal and i think uh your instagram is just 
at Victoria Canal. All your stuff is easy to find. Mm -hmm. So look her up and follow her. She's also really, really funny on her Instagram. I I recommend everyone (laughs) uh, stay up on her Instagram stories. Uh, Very entertaining. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks, Victoria. I want to thank Victoria Canal for being on the show. It's really great catching up with her, and I really, really urge you guys to hear the new EP. It's called Victoria. It's on all platforms. Follow her on Instagram at Victoria Canal. And we're going to listen to one song off the EP before we get out of here, and it's called Drama. I am magical, spiritual, only show up as my highest self. I am more than just beautiful and I don't need nobody else In the world you live in Maybe I don't fit in I am magical, spiritual, only show up as myself You go your way, I'll go mine I could do without the drama Sucker for good karma, karma. Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, 
under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kraz plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.